Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody, this is John Hindorf and on this very special inside story I've travelled to Great With Park in Northamptonshire, well on the Oxfordshire, Northamptonshire border in the centre of England and you're going to be among the very first to hear of Ford Performance's plans for the 2016 FIA World Endurance Championship season. The inside story on the teams, suppliers and circuits. Inside on RadioLeMond.com. Well, let's start then with uh, the kind of one of the big questions answered. Who are going to be driving in the FIA World Endurance Championship? The four drivers who are about to be announced are standing or sitting with me now, depending on uh, where they are in the room. To my direct left is Andy Prior. Uh, Andy, congratulations. Uh, you moved to Ford after a long time with a, another manufacturer. Difficult decision? Um, not really when I saw what, you know, was possible with this car. I mean, uh, honestly, when I first saw the car, I thought, wow, I'd love to get myself into that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you have to look at these things and make a sporting decision. And I think this, this car has a great opportunity to go, go places. So, but for sure, you know, 13 years with, um, with BMW is always going to be, uh, you know, a tough one, but left on very good terms, very, very friendly. And, uh, you know, we're moving on to a new, new challenge now. And going back to Le Mans, which I know is something that's been on your agenda for, for quite some time. Yeah, I always said that I really wanted to do the big races and concentrate on those. And uh, to go back to Le Mans is, is something that I've always wanted to do. We, we finished third in 2011 um, and job job not finished yet there. So um, I definitely want to go back and we're going to go back in a car that I think is going to be uh, really enjoyable to drive around that track. Mm, I think you might be right there. Stefan Mucker, I'll ask you the same question. You come to this programme after many years with another manufacturer. What drew you to the Ford GT and Ford Performance? Actually, same as Andy said. So uh, if, you, if you see the car, it's um, yeah, no question. Um, the car is in every detail so perfect and uh, it looks very strong. I don't know how it feels like, but uh, my colleague saying there, it's really, really good to drive as well. So I'm really looking forward to, yeah, to be part of, of that uh, project and to be the first time in the car. Was it a difficult decision to jump into such a brand new concept of a car and a, a program which potentially only has a couple of years in it to start with. Yeah, I mean, of course, you, you have to make your decision. Um, but um, as, a, as a driver, you want to win and you want to have the best car you can have. And uh, for me, it looks like that car has a lot of potential. So it was then at the end an easy decision. Olivier Pla is just over the far side. I'll come to you, Olivier. You're all right. Try not to get uh, tied up on the chair. Of course, you weren't at the test uh, at Daytona at the end of last year, so you couldn't possibly have driven the car, except you were and you did. So I'll ask you then, how was it? 
Oh, it was great. Um, to be honest, uh, I'm not a big expert of a GT car. Uh, I spend my time, most of, most of my career in LMP cars. And um, yeah, by lap two, you know, I had smile on my face. Uh, car just felt great, re- react as you, you were expected. Um, so um, yeah, it was, uh, was, uh, was uh, great to be able to, to test the car in November. And I'm really looking forward. It is the first of the new generation of GTE cars, the 2016 regulations. It's made the most of them, particularly in the area of aerodynamics. You've made the point that you're a prototype driver. We've known you for that in the past. Did you get some uh, feedback from the car that made you feel comfortable in terms of aero? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, you know, as you say, uh, GT are entering a new era and... um, yeah, the car has more downforce, more horsepower, and uh, it's actually quite fun to drive. And you get to be a works driver, which uh, has been coming for quite a long time. Congratulations. That uh, is something that I know our listeners will be pleased about. A new era for you? Uh, maybe, uh, let's say that. Uh, but yeah, definitely very happy to be with Ford and Chip Ganassi Racing. I think for the driver is a great opportunity, so I have to make the most of it now. Well, good luck to that. Last but by no means least is Marino Franchitti standing over here grinning happily as well you should. Congratulations, Marino. And uh, as I've said to the other guys, a new challenge. Nobody knows who they're paired with yet, so there's, there's no point in asking that question. But again, um, you were in unbranded overalls in November. You have got GT experience. You've probably got experience that is most relevant to this car because you've driven the Glickenhaus which is a very similar concept of car exploiting the regulations particularly on aeros as much as possible how's the Ford GT? Ford GT is lovely yeah it's incredible to be a part of this program to be going back to Le Mans with Ford 50 years on from their first victory and the the four other three others that followed that is, is very exciting I'm lucky enough to have done a good few days in the car now at the end of last year and when I got in it, I just didn't want to get out of it. As Olivier said earlier, the, the aerodynamics and the way the car is balanced more than anything else is beautiful. The guys have done an incredible job. Ford and all their partners have put a beautiful car together. So it's up to us now to finish the development process. Obviously, it's going to race in America a couple of times before we get to race at Silverstone, which is good for us. And we're just excited to get the programme rolling. Any of you guys going to do any of the racing in America or the two sets of drivers being kept completely separate? Or as drivers, do you not get that information right now? At the moment, it's obviously only Stefan that's in the car for Daytona, which is cool because he hasn't driven the car yet. So it's going to be exciting to see his his impressions of it. Otherwise, first race I know that I'm doing is Silverstone and I'm obviously very excited to, to get started. That's a little bit down the road. We've got a lot of building to do before that and... I love developing a car, so this, mm. is, this is a lot of fun for me. Much the same as I said to Olivier, you've been knocking on the door of a works drive for quite some time, almost had one in P1 a few years ago. How does it feel now to say Marino Franchitti works driver, works Ford driver at that? It feels pretty cool. feels good. It's obviously been a name of mine for the last two years knowing this programme was coming, having had the success with Ford and Chip Ganassi Racing at Sebring. It's always been the main focus for me and to, to make that happen it's obviously not just me it's Ford and all the partners having the belief in me it's, it's nice to be here and uh, I'm, I'm glad that we could make it happen and I've heard you've chosen a Ford Galaxy as your company car is that correct? I have but until that comes I've got a lovely Mustang <laughs> 5 litre V8 so um, yeah 
I, I drove Olivia into the into here this morning, and we were just grinning like idiots with the noise of that thing. It's uh, fantastic. So we're thinking of getting a, a bumper sticker for it saying Myler Cars a Ford GT <laughs> <laughs> I like it Moreno congratulations guys thanks for your time I know you're going to be very busy today uh, the four drivers then are Stefan Mugger Moreno Franchitti Olivia Pla and Andy Prio uh, for the FIA World Endurance Championship part of the programme for Ford just being joined actually by uh, Gerard Naveau the man who's at the head of the FIA WEC it's a big day for the championship, Gerard. Four great drivers, two great new cars for the uh, World Endurance Championship and for Le Mans. You're a happy man, aren't you? You're right, John. But I have to say first that uh, at this period of the year, we have to wish a great season for everybody and, and wish Happy New Year, peaceful season for everybody, safe season for the drivers. And you're right, there is no better condition to start the year than to be here today at the Ford Motors World Headquarters in Europe to, to launch the season with the presentation of the drivers. And the return of Ford is a great news for the GTE program, for the endurance in general. You know that Ford is, a, you know better than everybody, that Ford is a, in a DNA of the, of the endurance for sure. And um, the, these news start to be very real for today when we met the drivers, when we see the car, and uh, we are very exciting. This car is the first embodiment of the new 2016 regulations. It's very dynamic. In some ways, it's very radical. The other manufacturers, uh, Ferrari, have a new car. It's a, a development uh, we know that Aston Martin have a new car. That's a development. Porsche, we expect them to have a new car. Is, is this the direction that we're going to see in GT, that they are supercars and not just GT cars now? Now, for sure, this is the way, and this is the single way that you can find in endurance. And I have to say that today we, we are in the very good condition for the near future of the, of the GT platform in endurance, better than we had since the beginning of the WEC. Uh, and we know that other manufacturers look interested about this series also. And the quality of the grid that we have in GTE now will be the best ambassador for the development of these uh, GTE categories for the near future. No doubt about that. Perhaps a question I should ask uh, Vincent Beaumanil because he deals with the technical side. But these cars look fast when they're standing still. Does it give you some issues in terms of not the balance of performance between the cars in GTE, but making them fit onto the grid and still having their performance levels behind LMP2. Always when you introduce a new technical regulation like this, you have a risk because you have to discover what is the real result at the end. For sure, uh, what we expect on the paper, this is one story, but what's happened on the track is a different one, and we can trust the engineer to find always a solution to be faster than you are, they are supposed to be. But I think that we have a good technical organization between ACO and FI, and that the people will find the right solution to make sure that there is a correct position on the grid. We know that LMP1 has to be faster than LMP2. LMP2 has to be faster than GTE Pro and GTE Pro has to be normally faster than GTE Arm. So they will find a solution. But uh, we are ready to see this car with a very high level of performance for sure. But that, that's also the target of the, of the, of the platform of WCF to say. We try to provide the best regulation to make sure that the manufacturers can find the best way to develop the best program. And this fits in perfectly then to your longer term plans for the FIA World Endurance Championship throughout all the classes? No future without any story with GTE for sure. 
no future without LMP2 and no future without LMP1. The question is to find the right average and to guarantee a stability for the different grid for the, for the long term. And we know very well that uh, it's a different situation if you are a private team of manufacturers. We saw that very recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, th- we have exactly the same in GT Pro and GT Yam, for sure. But on GT, actually, we can be very confident because there is no reason that we are going on the wrong, on the wrong direction and we are going on the good one. I'll ask you this question. You may not want to answer it, but Ford have arrived in GT. Uh, We know that other manufacturers are looking at GT. Are there more entrants to come in 17 and beyond? It's too early to discuss about that. And today, honestly, we have to focus on the return of Ford, which is very interesting. I have to say that... uh, the preparation of this return is very impressive. It, it reminds me the return of Porsche in LMP1 two mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, they have made a very professional job since two years. And when we discover today, discover officially, let's say, the driver list for this, for this program, uh, it's absolutely perfect. The, 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 the level of the performance from these drivers and also the spirit of these people is totally corresponding with a very challenging program and, and very promising program. And uh, the, the, the structure we are discovering since now a couple of months through the test is very impressive. So if we remember what's happened between uh, 1966 and 1969, uh, I'm sure that Ford has planned to be returned for a similar story. So let's see what's happened. But... I'm, sh- I'm sure so that, on the other hand, Aston, Ferrari and Porsche are ready. So let's see what's happened. But for sure, many things will happen on the track. That's purely uh, the passion of the motorsport and the endurance. Gerard, thank you very much indeed. Uh, so there we are then, the drivers, the word from the FIA World Endurance Championship head as well, Gerard Navoy. You're listening to a RadioLeMond.com special from Great With Park, the new headquarters of Ford Performance uh, for the Ford GT programme here in Europe. The sound of endurance racing around the world. RadioLeMond.com George Howard Chapel is the team principal for the World Endurance Championship side of Ford Performance and their Ford GT for 2016. Exciting times, George, and, well, everybody always wants more time, but how do you feel the project is as we're in the early early part of 2016? Uh, pretty much on schedule. Um, we've, had, uh, we've had a good test programme through... The second half of 2015, um, we ran a very successful test just before Christmas, and we're pretty happy with uh, with the status today. This car is moving the GT, uh, the GT landscape massively forward. Does that mean a different approach from your side of things with the team, and indeed even just managing everything to go with the project? I'm not sure it's uh, it's fair to say it's moving the the landscape in, in a massive way. I mean, I think you know there's a natural evolution of of this type of road car. You could uh, you it's a reasonable argument to say that this this car is raising the bar, and and to a degree it is because it's a very special road car, and it's great to be able to build a race car from a road car like that. Um, that said, you know BOP is in is in place to to make the the racing close and interesting, and and that's what ultimately will happen. What are the next major 
landmark signpost steps for you guys. We've got Daytona and the Raw around the corner. It's not that far to Sebring after the 24 hours, the Rolex 24 hours. And But that's all the American side of things. Or are you guys in the in the WEC programme watching that? Are you getting involved with that? Is the crossover between the team? Well, in my role as the programme manager for the for the Ford GT race car, obviously I'm involved on, on both sides of the Atlantic. We've um, supplied three cars to, to the IMSA team to date um, and uh, most of their spares. There's still some spares to go before we get to, to the 24 hours. Obviously, it's really interesting this weekend. We're running at the raw test. Uh, with two cars um, that'll be be, be um, very educational see how that goes and see where we are with all the other cars running on the track at the same time then obviously quite a lot of prep to do for the 24 hours in Daytona um, and and then moving on to, to Sebring on on the, the other side of the Atlantic over here we're in uh, we have the <coughs> our test car here um, at Great West Park and two cars in build for the for the WEC side and we want to have both of those cars at uh, the prologue in March. I don't expect you'll give me a fulsome answer to this, but at this stage of the season, how fast does this car go, mister? I'm, I'm, I'm asking like a tyre kicker here. And the point I'm trying to make is you've mentioned balance of performance. Clearly, you want to give yourself the best performance advantage throughout the season. So how much of the performance are we going to see of this car in its early running in, say, the Raw and certainly at the Daytona 24? I think we'll be competitive from what we've seen to date. You know, we've run on tracks with um, with other other cars. It's uh, it's it's difficult to say exactly because it's a, it's a new era of regulations. You know, we're coming into the 2016 GTLM GTE regs for the first time and it's a it's yeah, everybody's got a new car mm. some are grandfathered new regulation cars um, ourselves and Ferrari have totally new cars so yeah we've got to find the level and understand where we are we're confident that the car's fast exactly where we, we where we we um, will will arrive at in the in the, the sort of the range of the cars I don't know we'll have to see and has that been a problem serious question has that been a problem because this is a brand new set of regulations what do you benchmark against where do you say this is where we want to be these are the lap times we want to achieve because you're pushing in some ways at an open door but it's a door that you don't know where that leads to well we I think we have a slightly more difficult job than the than the guys who've been running in the previ- previous years. You know, there, there's a fairly well understood offset between 2015 performance and 2016. So for guys who've got existing cars, they kind of know the the shift in the in the aero performance and the shift in the engine performance. So they can pretty well predict using simulation and 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 building their cars where they're going to be. For us, it's a little bit more difficult because we don't have a current car. Mm-hmm. That said, Multimatic's you know uh, very well known for its simulation techniques and its dri- driver in the loop simulator capability. So I think we're we'll be pretty close, and then it'll get it'll get sorted out with the BOP, as I said before. Tell me a little bit about the what you can about the technology within the car. It's a new breed of GT cars, as we've mentioned, as you've mentioned. It, it goes along with this fashion now for hypercars on the street. A lot of carbon fibre involved, a lot of race technology involved, particularly with the suspension. Give us a little overview of the uh, of the bullet points, the highlights of, of the Ford GT. 
the best thing, John, is have a chat with Larry on that. Because <laughs> the, the road car side, I, I know very well, but I'm not the best person to, to, to describe it, I think. What I would say is it gives us a... Um, it gives us a very nice base to work from as a, you know, everybody who's producing a GTE car has to take what we call the donor road car mm-hmm. on one hand and in the other hand, look at with the new set of, of 2016 regulations and out of those two things produce a racing car. So you're always quite reliant on what you get as a road car. And we're very fortunate in that the Ford GT is a fantastic road car to start from. So you've got a good base to start with. Things like uh, the suspension mounts are all have all been designed with racing in mind. I cast my mind back to the Celine, the S7R, where the street car and the road car were uh, the street car and the race car were homologated together. Does that give you an advantage with the car on the racetrack? Um, again, it's a, it's a, it's a the the better the the donor road car is for conversion to the race car the more you're helped that said um i think if you said is it is it the most advanced car and is it the best car out there to build a a a race car from i think there are some other cars out there Mm -hmm. that are that are in that sort of area you know you could also argue it's fantastic that it's got a super reliable uh, powerful turbocharged engine would you choose the turbocharged engine if you were starting from scratch that would be a long debate mm. so it's what it's a fantastic you know you can't take anything away from the road car it's a fantastic base for a race car is it the very best you could possibly have that's open for debate you mentioned about the engine um thank you for leading me on to that because that's exactly where i wanted to go next of all the things that are brand new about the car and my goodness there is lots that you're learning about the motive power unit is something of a known quantity because we've seen it in the Daytona prototypes. Now, that must be an advantage. It's great to have an engine that we know is established and reliable as a race engine. That's fantastic, yeah. It's not like we're starting with a brand new car and a brand new race <laughs> engine. The engine's, okay, it's in a new form and there's been some development for this car, but it isn't like the the base engine is a is a whole new thing that isn't proven. It's well proven. It won Daytona. It's won Sebring. You know, it has endurance under its belt, and that's fantastic. You mentioned Multimatic, of course, massively involved in this, uh, integrally involved. Other partners include Michelin. Um, you've done a lot of work with those guys, which started quite a long time ago. Indeed, when I last spoke to you at Road America, you were doing some Michelin testing there, and that was the middle of, of last year. Do you feel that that's come together? Because this is a very different car in terms of weight and balance than perhaps some of the other GT cars that you'll be racing against. Um, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're very pleased to have Michelin as, the, as our tyre partner. We work very closely with them on the road car side also. It's, um, from what we've seen so far from the product, it suits the car very well. Mm. The car is working well on the tyres and is, has, seems to have a really nice balance and good endurance. So very happy in that department. Dangerous thing to do, but do you, do you get set or do you set yourself goals for year one and, and year two of this, of this, as we know, two-year project at the moment? Well, I, I've been doing this long enough to realise that <laughs> <laughs> you can set the goals that don't always turn up. Obviously, we're, we're going racing to win. It, sometimes it takes a little time to win. So um, we'll there's, there's no space for a, year, a learning year in this project, is there? A lot of people go for three-year projects. This is a, ostensibly a two-year project. It's a currently a two-year project. We're, um, 
you know, we, we we'll be racing to win from the first race, but obviously the the car is still young. Um, that said, um, other projects I've done in the past, we've managed to have success from the word go. Some are a little bit more painful. You know, we we will win at some stage. I'm sure of that. It's a question of of when we get there. Final question, because you've got a lot to do today. Um, the two projects, the IMSA project and the World Endurance Championship project, are clearly linked. The car is the link. The blue oval is the link. How different or similar are the two challenges in terms of what the car is being set up to do and how the car will be run? Um, I, obviously, there is there are some difference in, differences in the setup required for... Um, for racing at the North American tracks, particularly the ones that are a bit rougher, you know, we'll, we we've already worked worked very hard together with um, uh, with the Chip Ganassi Racing guys on on getting the, um, the the setup tuned in towards where we're going to be running. We've done some running at Sebring already, you know, it's a, it's a really good track for for sorting that side of it out. Then eventually, I I'm expecting that the the BOP will um, diverge slightly from the FIA, so we'll have to deal with that. Um, that said, you know, all four, the, the, the target is providing we get the entries that all four cars come together at, um, at Le Mans and then there'll be, you know, it's one team, it's, it's Chip Ganassi racing over here in, in, uh, uh, for the WEC and it's, it's, it's CGR as well in the U S. So why do you think the BOP will diverge, George? Well, because I'm not sh- I, I think IMSA have said that they won't necessarily hold exactly the same wow. BOP as, um, and indeed, as the WEC, and in the past, that's also been the, yeah. been the case. I'd rather it stayed together, but you know, we'll have to see. We wish you the best. Thank you very much, John. Uh, Larry Holt is, uh, in many ways, right at the centre of this Ford Performance GT project on both sides uh, of the Atlantic. Larry, thanks for your time, first of all. And we are now on the doorstep of seeing this car uh, compete. Let's talk about how we got here and the kind of, of journey that this has been. A massive undertaking for Ford and indeed for you and for Multimatic. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I, I would have to say it's, it's a big honour for us to have been chosen to build uh, the road car and be involved in the development of the race car. So as a little Canadian automotive company, I would say yeah, a higher honour couldn't be had. A little Canadian automotive company, perhaps not quite that small. How many people do you employ now at Multimatic? Uh, three, about 3,000. To- total about 3,000. So. How, how did the original project come about? You guys have got such a brilliant name in the wider automotive world. Of course, we see a lot of your work in, uh, in motor racing and particularly endurance racing. Um, was this an idea that came directly from Rajner and Ford? Yeah, I mean, in the end, there was all this talk about how I pushed it, and this—that's absolutely not true. That's that was a rumor. I don't know where it came from. This this was a this came is Raj's baby. Raj Nair, uh conceived the idea um, because of the 50th anniversary uh, coming up at Le Mans, and the fact that that the 2005 GT was becoming a memory, and they needed mm-hmm. a a new halo car, and and um, so he 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 came up with this idea of of hitting. Uh, doing both of those simultaneously. I've been involved in homologating a race car and a road car together, and so I know how much work goes into that. 
It's a massive, massive undertaking. Did you realise how big an undertaking it was going to be when you said, yeah, great idea, we could do that, which I'm sure you did because I know what sort of person you are. Yeah, um, undoubtedly, as you say, it's a massive undertaking, um, you know, because it, it, independent of whether or not it's a low-volume or high-volume car in this day and age to have global homologation, which is what we have for the road car, what we will have for the road car, um, is the same amount of work as if you're doing it for a 500,000 a year mm-hmm. vehicle. So we have to go through all of that process. And yes, it's a big job. Did I know at the beginning it would be so big? Um, I, I knew how big, how much work that would be, just the, the basics of getting it done. Uh, did I know how many challenges we would have associated with it? If I'd known how many challenges we were going to have, I may have had a different, <laughs> uh, a different approach when I said yes. But yeah, you're right. I was so enthusiastic about it. I probably got a little misty and jumped into it. How big of an advantage was it to have the Blue Oval behind this and to have the absolute buy-in of a conglomerate of that size? Why well, it wouldn't ha- it's never going it wouldn't happen any other way. I mean, this is you know George and I talked about it last night over a few glasses of scotch. I mean, there was a whole bunch of things that came together that couldn't have come together. You know, the fact that Rajner is in charge of of engineering and the motorsport side of Ford. And, you know, just that organizational structure made it happen. The fact that the 50th anniversary, that it's Ford, that we got involved in our relationship on both the motor racing side, which is unique on the motor racing side and on the production side at Ford, all those things coming together, um, you know, what's the advantage of it? I mean, it couldn't happen any other way. It's not an advantage. It, it was the enabler. Did it slightly surprise you that a big company like Ford, which... Many companies of that side move glacially, slowly, have been able to turn around this kind of very dynamic project so quickly. Um, it, I think it would, should surprise the world, for sure, and I think people associated with the automotive industry and know it inside out should be surprised. I personally wasn't surprised because the present management at Ford Motor Company is pretty special, right from Mark on down. Um, these guys are visionaries. They are moving quick. They're making you know big statements like with their electric car initiative that Mark announced a couple of weeks ago. Um, Raj running engineering. How Titang, a guy I've known for motor racing for many years, running the purchasing side of the whole organization. That's a dynamic organization, and and so it doesn't surprise me that a company like Ford could get it done because and, and a guy like Dave Parasak taking over performance Ford performance that. And bringing together what used to be two disparate sides, which was the high-performance road car side, which was SVT mm-hmm. and Ford Racing, bringing it all together, putting it under one guy, Parasak being the guy. He came off being chief engineer of Mustang. These guys are, it's no surprise to me that they got it done because, or are getting it done because of the, the people involved. We have Mustang in right-hand drive for the first time in the UK in 2016. Focus RS is coming, and now Ford GT as the absolute top of the pyramid, the halo car for Ford, and a new breed of of hypercar, a super sports car. Tell me a little bit about the car itself, because it, the street car is pretty special. It is undoubtedly pretty special. And, and again, you know, it wouldn't have happened in probably many other co- or any other companies. And it, again, it's a testament to, the, to, to what the Ford guys 
felt they needed to achieve with the car and and what came out of out of the Ford studio that design group that worked in the basement that's all true by the way all those rumors there was <laughs> the skunk works there was a group of guys group of Ford guys in that in, you know with us there in support of it and uh, very very in tune with the aerodynamics you know normally you work in a studio they come with something it's it's aesthetically uh, you know, really good, and then you take it to the wind tunnel, you have a problem. But all that happens simultaneously. It's absolutely unprecedented, and I've never seen or ne- I've never experienced the amount of cooperation that occurred between uh, the engineering team and my guys, the Ford engineering team, the Multimatic engineering team, and the Ford design group. I've never seen such a level of cooperation. When the car was being conceived and then taken from that early spark of an idea... We all have an idea what a Ford GT should look like, so a lot of the parameters would have been set. The aero, the attention to detail in terms of being able to turn that into a state-of-the-art racing car, was there even at the early stage an eye on the GT regulations, an eye on the rule book as the car was being conceived and pushed forward as a street car? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was... You know, a lot of people are going to ask the question, you know, is that a huge advantage? And, you know, was there a race car first and then a road car? There could never be, that can't happen in this day and age. You can't have a, you can't do a racing car and then turn it into a, into a street car, you know, unless you're some guy in his basement. That, that can't happen because of, just because of the pressures and the requirements for safety and crash and, and all those things and, and, and emissions those those are such stringent. They're so stringent. They drive the design and engineering of a car um, so totally that you can't do them independent. You couldn't do it independently. Right from day one, there was always going to be a race car. Mm-hmm. So the race car and road car were was it was one development. It, I mean, there weren't you know whereas with General Motors and you know and Ferrari and those guys they they'll develop a car and and launch a road car and then develop a race car, GT race car out of it. This, for sure, this was a simultaneous development. And the rule book, so the global homologation requirements of governments and internal Ford safety and and Ford requirements and the FIA rule book were all all open. They were all on the table at the same time. That's a heck of a lot of reading. That's a hell of a lot. Tell me about a little bit about the the road car itself then. Carbon fibre for the monocoque, for the chassis. Now, not unheard of, but still relatively unusual. And until recently, that, of course, wouldn't have been allowed as a GT car. So that, again, just shows how quick this has been turned around. A lot of the car, as I've seen the the basics of the car, um, race suspension, all that sort of stuff, uh, uh, lever arm suspension, etc. Um, that again, very much with an eye on the racing side of things. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, although I, I wouldn't say the car has a carbon monocoque because it's a racing car. I would say the car has a carbon monocoque because a modern supercar in this now should have a carbon monocoque with all due respect to our competitors. Um, but there are some of our competitors that do have carbon chassis. Yes. And, yeah. and so I, I don't th- there was never any thought that we wouldn't do um, a carbon tub. And it's one of the reasons why Multimatic's involved in this project is because we have a lot of expertise in that area. And so that was a, that was a given from the, from the beginning, not because of racing. But yes, uh, inboard suspension, torsion bars instead of coil springs, those kind of things, the the size of the car, the aerodynamic configuration, all with an eye on on the racing side. 
overhangs and things like that then as well yeah absolutely when you look at overhangs and um, and, uh, and you know and a lot of interaction between the design and engineering and aero guys so mark hanford who runs my aero side working with maury callum's guys in the studio to come up with yeah you know they like short overhangs and those kind of things and short overhangs aren't good for downforce so there was a lot of compromises made and a lot of decisions made around that and then ultimately that whole thing went up through the pyramid to rajner and when the really hard decisions had to be made raj made those decisions and that should go down in history that ultimately the big big decisions on this car when it came to this or this or this they were made by rajner your guys are working super hard at the moment uh, fifth race car uh, almost ready to uh, come in blinking into the daylight but you've got the street cars the road cars to build as well on behalf of for performance how's that going and what sort of numbers will we see, bearing in mind that there's quite stringent regulations about uh, volume production to make the race car legal, quite frankly? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we are, we're on the fifth, like you said, we're on the fifth race car, um, which is the first of our two WEC cars uh, being built here in the UK. Um, Ganassi have their two racing cars, and they'll be they'll be at the Roar this coming weekend. Um, we were just being on the phone to them um, this morning. They're all still up over there working in Indianapolis. Uh, we've had two development cars. Uh, we've had eight what we call mule uh, road cars, which have all been used for different things: engine calibration, durability, ride and handling work. We're now knocking out what we call VP cars, which are a verification prototype. Uh, we're going to do 17 or 18 of those. Unfortunately, about nine of those will be completely destroyed in crash testing um, for to, to, to gain our homologation requirements. And then there'll be some TT and PP cars through the summer, which are really pre-production. And then uh, at the end of this year, we start into uh, volume production build, which will ultimately be 250 vehicles per year, which is really one car a day. And you're quite happy, and as is everyone else, that that fulfills the homologation requirement for the racing car. Well, it's not that I'm happy or Ford's happy. Ultimately, it has to be the FIA and the ACO are happy, and they are happy. They've um, actually been to our factory in Canada, uh, seen that, yes, it's a real production car program and that volumes will meet their requirements. Thank you very much for your time. Wish you all the best, and particularly wish best uh, all the best to those guys back in that little Canadian automotive works who are working, I think, 25 hours out of 24 at the moment, Larry. Yeah, they are, John. Thanks for that. I, uh, they are. I got some amazing guys. There wasn't much Christmas for a lot of them. Inside on RadioLeMond.com. Well, as you can hear, we've moved down to the workshop area now and the drivers have just been announced to the press. You've already heard from them, so that gives us an opportunity to speak to one or two of the other big names who are here at Great With Park. Chip Ganassi here at the new home of Chip Ganassi's FIA WEC team. First of all, welcome back to the UK. Like what you've done with the place? Very nice. Yeah, George and uh, Larry have done a great job getting this place put together in a few short months. Looks good, very happy, and uh, looking forward to putting out some good good teams and good, good teams of people and good cars out of this place. It's a huge undertaking turned around in an extremely short amount of time time is always the enemy in motor racing but you've got cars out this weekend at the Raw at the, for the, before the Rolex, mm-hmm. how do you feel the the project stands at the moment Chip? Yeah I mean we're, we're pretty happy with it, you know I mean obviously uh, 
like you say, there's never enough time in motor racing to do these sort of things you want to do. But, you know, it comes back to the people. You know, it comes back to, you know, our, our group of people that Mike Hall's put together in the U.S., George Howard Chapel's put together here in the U.K. And uh, these are, first of all, George and Mike are quality guys, and they know, they, they, they know how to put winning teams together. And they've been in the sport long enough to know the, you know, the quality people and the, the people that you know, want to be a part of any program that those two guys are involved with. Now you throw on top of that the Ford and the Ford GT, uh, the 50th anniversary of the, you know, of the, of the win, the, uh, you know, and just the, the sort of the, the, legend, the legend of that car itself. Uh, when you sort of throw all that together, it, it, it's a good motivator, you know. It's a, so you're saying it wasn't a hard sell when Rajnair came up with this crazy yes, hybrid no, scheme? No, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, uh, you know, that you know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I was uh, just a kind of a side note. I was visiting my my attorney's office in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, about a month ago, and uh, I get in the elevator, and a woman a woman said, she said, you, "You're Chip Ganassi, aren't you?" I said, "Yes." She said. You're taking that Ford back to Lamar, are you? I said yes. <laughs> and, you know, just it, last place in the world you probably expected. Exactly, that. exactly. So I mean, it, the, the, so the, it just tells you how much, how much passion that this program, uh, you know. That, it's an in, that's an interesting uh, an anecdote, Chip, because what you're talking about there is one of the world's greatest motor races, and my exactly. goodness me, if not they, but you have competed at the very highest level at Daytona for the 24 and the 500 uh, Indianapolis and now Le Mans that's a pretty decent CV and you've got you've got credentials at all of those yes but you know it's, it's still that's why they run the race though you know they, they still, you don't you win still, it on paper you know, if, if that was the case we'd have, yeah, we'd have the trophy already but you know you still have to do the work and you still have to and, 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 and that's what we're all about you know we're we're, uh, you know, we're we're about doing what it takes to to, to win races, and uh, I'm, I'm 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 just blessed. I'm blessed that I got a great group of people to start the program with, and when you lop on top of that a great car and a great company, it's it's uh, you know the, the 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 we're looking forward to it. How important was it in your mind to establish two bases of operations? It's not the easiest thing to do. It's certainly not the path of least resistance. Well, it's one team, though. It's one team, and you know, these guys are you know in today's world of communication, they're they're communicating daily between you know Indianapolis, the UK, Toronto, and uh, you know, so it's 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 really not. Uh, it's sort of seamless. Other than the time difference, it's, it's I would say it's seamless. Which is why we have internet and uh, yes, yes. email nowadays. Yes. Thank goodness for that. Day, yes. How does how does the uh, responsibilities break down then, Chip? Obviously, Multimatic in Toronto, as you mentioned, are they building all of the race cars, or will that be in the fullness of time subbed out to the individual teams at yeah. the at the location? Well, the initial, obviously, the initial build is is Multimatic, is the initial build. So, and then then it's sort of handed over to the teams as a finished article. Yes, right. And then that's the, one of the things that I want to talk to Larry about is what his idea of finished is and what's mine, but. Yes, but <laughs> um, two very different programs: the the IMSA series 
really coming back to major prominence after the merger a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. FIA World Endurance Championship in Europe and, and the rest of the world. Do they throw up different logistical issues, different engineering issues for the guys? Actually, you know, it's pretty much the same car, though. It's the same car. So if you start with that, especially when you have a new car, the fact that they're the same rules uh, goes a long way. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's down now to the, to the teams and, and, you know, different people have different ways of doing things. And I think when you bring together someone with George's background and someone with Mike Hall's background, it's pretty easy to get to a best practices situation, you know, of, of, of how things should be done and, you know, everything from the assembly to the, you know, to the way you do the, uh, the toe in and the toe out, you know. A uh, question that you might not expect from an Englishman in the heart of England. Uh, you're running DP uh, at the Rolex 24, looking for the overall win. You're now running Ford's, uh, Ford's GT, LM GTE programme. In the Cup, you're still a GM team. Um, Ford are looking for a new top-line team in the Cup. Is that possibly on the cards? Is that something you'd look at? Yeah, I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, uh, you know, we're always... We're always looking for opportunities, uh, you know, as they present themselves. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really for another time. You know, we're here today to focus on the, the GT and, 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 and upcoming at the Roar and Le Mans, obviously. Rolex Daytona 24 is the first competitive outing for the car. Start nice and easy then. Um, do, you, do you have any great expectations? It's, a, it's a, a season where you can't afford not to perform if you're going to be in with the championship challenge. You know, we, we well, first of all, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, we're, we're, like you said, we are running the DP cars there, uh, and we got a little bit of work to do engine-wise, so that sort of helps us, helps us, you know, finish off what we have to do engine-wise. And, and we are the defending champion there, so we, wanna, we wanted to defend our championship in, in a strong way, so we have two good cars there to do that. Now you throw in the, the, the birth of the GT team, and, uh, you know, we, we're, 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 we're going to have a few drivers from the WEC team uh, participating in the in that in that in the 24 hours of Daytona with the team to warm up to you know again best practices um, really uh, you know it's the beginning of the season it's uh, you know it's, it's like you say it's filled with a lot of excitement it's just it's a lot of excitement around the program you know we've been talking about this program now for you know two almost three years and so it's finally coming to its it's it's it, it's birth or it's uh, it, you know it's launch if you will and uh, so couldn't be a better couldn't be more excited about it. After the Rolex, we move on to uh, Sebring for the Mobile One Twelve Hours, yes. and then it's total focus on GT or is there a potential for the DP to run some other no, 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 selected no. races? That'll be it. Pretty much Daytona will be it for the DPs, and uh, you know we were going to full focus on the GT program then. And then you've got a small matter of bringing potentially four cars to Le Mans. Excited about that? Yes. I mean, you know, again, it, you know, it's, you know, I, I drove at Le Mans in, in 1987. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously that's one of the big races in the world you want to be a part of and you want to have your name on. And uh, what a better entree to do it than with this program. And so I'm, I'm it's a privilege to be able to, to, to show up at a place like that with, with these cars and to have your name on them, so I'm. Uh, it's a lot of hard work, but it's a it's a challenge, and you know the 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 
they say the biggest challenges attract the best the, the, the best teams. Yep. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Finally, the new regulations for 2016 are now in operation. Your car is, the Ford GT, is the first of the cars built deliberately and specifically to those regulations. So effectively, you're going to get a year's start on everyone else catching up. We know there's a new Porsche coming. Is it important for you guys to hit the ground running this year and win and learn in preparation for what may come in 17 to race against you? Well, I don't think, you know, I don't think you get involved in any program and you say, gee, we want to we want to finish second. Well, you <laughs> certainly mean, don't. I, I don't think you want to, you know, I, I obviously, uh, you know, we, we want to win. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we're going to do everything we can to do that. Now, you know, we're, we're, we've, been in, we've been in motorsport long enough to, to understand what it takes, but also to realize the, the harsh realities of the sport from time to time. So, you know, you have to take all that into your, into your mixing bowl, if you will, and, uh, but we're, we're, gonna, we're, giving, we're giving this 100, you know, 110%. So we're, not, we're not pulling back and we're not lowering our expectations at all. See you at Daytona. Thanks for your time. Look forward to it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Mike Hall is the Managing Director of Chip Ganassi Racing. Mike, welcome to the UK and the splendid new premises. A lot of excitement around this. A lot of pressure around this to bring the Blue Oval back to top line endurance racing to go to Le Mans with a brand new car. Do you feel that pressure? Does the team feel that pressure? I, I, think, you, I think you respect the pressure. Uh, maybe, maybe it's more that. I think uh, Ford's history at Le Mans is very, very special for people from the United States, if, if not globally. Uh, for somebody like me, having grown up around motor racing when I was young at the time that they were doing the great things they did uh, as three teams at Le Mans, really, um, uh, representing uh, global entities in motorsports. I think it's exciting for Chip Ganassi Racing to be part of this. Where are the major challenges being? Uh, developing a street car alongside a racing car is probably one of the most bonkersly difficult things to take on. And I know of what I speak, because I did it a few years ago. That was clearly a part of the plan right from the beginning if you'd had your own way would you have planned it that way or was it necessity being the mother of invention no I think it's a, I think it's uh, the category where we're going to race uh, globally uh, both uh, in North America and uh, around the world in WEC uh, that's the nature of what uh, the manuf car manufacturing companies do today um, so I, I think it's very much part of the process uh, they want to be able to demonstrate uh, uh, their product, in this case the EcoBoost product, um, as something that's very, very important to them as a manufacturer uh, against other terrific uh, car companies. Um, so it, it's what we do. It's the nature of how we race today. Possibly uniquely in the supercar category, and let's be honest, the Ford GT for 2016 as a streetcar and as a racing car is one of the new breed of super or hypercars. Possibly uniquely with a, a block that is used in other applications for Ford. It's not a bespoke engine um, in total for that, for that machine. Has that led to any compromises? I don't know if it's led to compromise. It's a production-based product, which is really, really good. You know, you'll be able to... To, to uh, if you get at the front of the queue, be able to buy buy one of these cars at a, at a dealership somewhere globally, uh, which I think would be fantastic. Uh, uh, 
I think I'm probably at the back of the line personally. I'd like to be closer to the front. But uh, no, I, I think it's, uh, uh, I don't know if it's good or bad to be the first one maybe perhaps to break the ice on what's going to be coming next in this category of motorsports. Uh, that, that may be what we should look forward to. Yeah, and that's something that I discussed with Chip just a moment or two ago. This is really the first car that's built to the new 2016-2017 rules. We know that there are new cars coming, particularly from Porsche. There's something possibly groundbreaking in their history uh, coming from them as a GT car. Was it important for you guys and for Ford to get out ahead of that and get a year of racing underneath your belts before those guys who, let's be honest, have a a little more recent experience in this type of racing than you guys do? Um, Well, timing is everything. Uh, That's a nice cliche to use in this case. Um, But uh, one of the greatest things about working for Chip Ganassi personally is the fact that he's been such a visionary for for where we come from and what we do and and how he's chosen uh, partners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because racing is about the uh, culmination of uh, uh, partnership. How you, how, you, how you help each other uh, find things in yourselves that you didn't realize that you had. And uh, Ford is a terrific company, great culture, great history. Um, and uh, I think Chip Ganassi Racing matches that. And then we combine that with Multimatic. Uh, if you look at the whole thing as a, as a, as a, a sphere of people together, uh, focused on, on one, one goal, one thing, I think that that'll set a standard that that other people will they'll leapfrog over us. Really, as time goes on, we'll we'll have to really be on our game going forward. Two venues, two different centres of excellence, one team. Very important to stress. Chip Ganassi Racing is the team that are running both of these two programmes. The decision to have those two areas makes sense logistically. Well, I think we've been one team for a long time. You certainly have. Uh, with the way that we run our programs. Um, and uh, uh, there's no one person in any of our programs that, that, that's more important than the whole program itself. Mm. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll emphasize that. That's been our culture for, from, from the very start of working for Chip, Chip and, and what he believes. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, everybody's the same here. Uh, so in America, we call ourselves probably blue-collar in terms of the way that we run our program uh, rather than maybe perhaps an elitist system. Um, What we would call working class here. Yeah, right. (laughs) Working class for us is really, really important because that's who we are. That represents our brand and uh, we think that uh, that fits well globally with what we're going to try to achieve with Ford and Multimatic. Obviously, you know through the Rolex series and now IMSA WeatherTech for 2016, you know the IMSA side of things. The World Endurance Championship and FIA World Championship, second only to Formula One, is something brand new to Chip Ganassi. How quick are you guys going to have to be on the uptake to take on the established teams and the established manufacturers there? Well, I think having George Howard Chapel uh, look after what we're, what we're going to do with our WEC program is, is the key to it, maybe the answer to that question. Uh, he and his people have the experience to get the job done, and, and probably we're almost uh, extras. In George's parade, in a way, if you look. <laughs> I'll at tell it. him you said that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think it, the learning process goes two ways. Uh, uh, we've worked together all through the winter in a parallel development program with two racing cars. Uh, George running one, and our people running the other one, and we've learned from each other unselfishly. 
And uh, I think that that's the key uh, going forward is to continue to be able to create uh, identity that's universal. And that's what we'll work on. You and Mr. Ganassi and Chip Ganassi Racing have seen an awful lot of motor cars going round circuits around the world. You've been involved in some tremendously high profile operations and programs. Getting involved with this, does it still get you excited? Does it still get the juices flowing? Or is it just another line on the balance sheet and just another project for you guys? No, it's, uh, I, I think the most important day in your life is today. Um, and uh, that's, that's what this is all about for us. It's about achieving uh, what, we can, what we can based on the priority of being able to win every day of the week for you, whether it's in your business life, Chip Ganassi racing life, whether it's in your personal life. Uh, you only got so many, so many hours on this earth to spend, and you better, get all, you, you better grab everything you can. So this program is as exciting as any other program that we presently work on or any program in the past and perhaps any program in the future. But it's about today, and we're excited about this program with Ford. And one team, two venues, two championships. A little bit of healthy competition between the two different squads? Um, I, I think no. I, I think maybe uh, not competition so much as uh, reverence for each other is probably the key to uh, success. Mm. And, and absolute transparency of information transfer between the two different teams. Obviously, the IMSA teams have got uh, the IMSA team have got a couple of races before the season over here in Europe gets underway at Silverstone, just down the road. So they've got a big part to play, I would think, in feeding in important information back as to how the car races, which, as we know, is very different from testing. Well, I think uh, uh, it is absolutely the word transparent is overused today. I think. But the, the reality of transparency is the fact that you share information unselfishly. Mm. And uh, George's group of people will be with us uh, through the first part of our IMSA program so that they can learn from us. And uh, we're going to be with them a bit with some of the things that they do with their WEC program so we can learn from them. And uh, the more we can do that together, the further up the grid we can climb together. Hopefully four cars at Le Mans should the invitations come through. Two, of course, you get from the WEC program. It is 50 years since that piece of historic footage that we see time and time again. Does that put pressure on you? Is there pressure on you from Ford to, to deliver that kind of worldwide image in 2016? I think expectation is, is the key element. You know, um, When our team started a long time ago, we didn't exhale at, until after we won our first championship. And uh, now we've learned to, to inhale and exhale. And so that allows the people that work for us as, as a group of people to be able to be productive every day. And if you win every day, you can win the big races, you can win the, win, win the big championships. But if you think about that, it's so paralyzing that you won't even be able to open the door. Um, so uh, I, I think pressure comes when you when you haven't realized success. Uh, when you've realized success, then pressure becomes a, a, a create, is, it, by definition, becomes different. Well, there's a lot of, being, lot of people being holding their breath for this <laughs> campaign to come around. We can all now exhale a little bit and take a deep breath to the start of 2016. Mike, thanks very much. I, I enjoyed here a lot. Thank you. On RadioLeMond.com Inside the inside story on the teams, suppliers and circuits.
So we've now had a little more insight into the FIA World Endurance Championship programme for Ford for 2016 and beyond, 2017 as well, one assumes. Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com and Sam Collins from Race Car Engineering are with me now. Sam, I'll come to you first of all. No major discussion today about the technical side of things, but the point has been made over and over again that this is the first of the 2016 bespoke regulation designed cars. And we're looking at pictures of it. There's one behind us now. What an introduction to GTE of the future. Yeah, I mean, this is the new GTE is pretty special. I mean, the new rules give you so much more aero force. The engine's got more power. The cars are quicker. But I'd really like to know how Ford managed to build a car. Remember, we saw this car at Le Mans. How they managed to build a car to the new regulations before the new regulations were written. That's an interesting point, which we're going to come back to, I think. And indeed, Larry Holt telling me earlier that the regulation rulebook was open as far back as the very gestation of the streetcar 18 months to two years ago did they you know are we going to find out they just took a massive punt and hoped that they got things right because at the moment they're sitting pretty for 16 if the car is reliable i think they took a massive punt and i think ferrari took a massive punt i think all the rest waited for the rules to come out and then or for the draft to come out and then they worked on it a little bit more so i think you're going to see this really be a ford versus ferrari year in 17, we get Porsche coming along with something, as we're being told, quite radical. Does that mean that that Ford-Ferrari battle is a one-year-only affair? Or from what you're looking at there, certainly on the Ford side, does it look that, that the choices, decisions that were made 18 months ago have gone in the right direction? Yeah, I think Ford have got the right... I mean, Ford have gone really extreme. I mean, the car has been built to race, and that's clear. The Ferrari hasn't. The Ferrari's been built with racing in mind, but not so much. And I, they will. Ferrari won't be allowed to languish at the back. This is this is balance of performance racing. They won't be allowed to sit at the back. I think it might have been the smart thing to do for Porsche and actually Aston Martin, who I hear are going to have a new model next year as well, to sit out this first year, see what everybody else does, see where the rules go, and come back when you fully understand it with a fully developed car. I think the core. And look at the areas of the rules where they think they can make an advantage with their configuration of where the engine is and what they need from a marketing standpoint as well let's not forget I think that's exactly it and how far you can push these regulations and it's, it's a rule set that's governed by these performance boxes which I think we'll have to cover another day but they if these performance boxes stay where they are well the Ford is about as far as you can go but I suspect they're going to be nudged around and moved as always happens with balanced performance racing and where that will be in 2017 is not the same place as it's going to be this year turbocharged engine we've seen this engine before many times in the back of the Daytona prototype there are some compromises that a turbocharged engine brings perhaps it wouldn't have been the first choice uh, for this car but it's the equal boost engine there are marketing reasons for that will it be the Achilles heel no no it's not quite the same engine it's in the Daytona prototype it's similar but there's still stuff going on which they're not really talking about in the engine department of the Ford (laughs) How much of this engine is the same as what you're going to find in a street Mustang or a Raptor isn't quite clear, but this is going to be... I don't think it's going to be an Achilles heel. I think there's a lot to come from this engine, and I think it's got some serious bang. This is a car that's run for quite some time already. It's not as if they're going to struggle out onto the track at Daytona this weekend and be doing a shakedown. 
I've not heard anyone say this will be a year, learning year for Ford and the GT in either IMSA or WEC. Do you expect this car to perform? And more importantly, do you expect it to outperform its competition in 2016? It'll outperform all of the competition bar those pesky red cars. And I don't know what the Formula 488 Ferrari has. It's done a lot of testing in secret. It's, it made a very quiet launch at Mugello, I think it was, just before, it was late last year, and at the Ferrari World Finals, and we haven't really seen much of it since then. It's just been pounding around. It's a newer car, though, as well, isn't it? Although the concept is a continuation from the 458, it is, effect, in, in, in effect, a much newer car than the Ford in terms of it wheels on the ground. It is. It's a newer car in terms of wheels on the ground, but at the same time, as you say, it's an iteration of the 458 all the good bits have been carried yeah. through but there's all sorts of other little details on the car I haven't seen the Ferrari up close yet so there's still a lot to talk about on that car it's a pretty extreme aero car and I can see some serious performance coming from that too it's not as extreme as the Ford but balanced performance racing box rules it may be I can't see anybody else playing in this ballpark this year but it is Ford and Ferrari this year and is that going to deliver the most important thing, exciting racing for us watching from the sidelines. Do you remember at Sebring a few years ago? I was there, you were there, we were, I think we were all there actually. Uh, there was a Ferrari door handling, I think it was a Corvette, across the finish line after 12 hours. Yeah, Porsche, I think it, was, yeah. it was a Porsche, yeah. I, I think that, that's what I expect. <laughs> that's, that's the level of racing I expect this year. That means there's going to be a lot of carbon fibre shards on the circuit when we certainly look at the, the Ford GT behind us, Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com. The car resplendent in its red, white and blue colour scheme, which I think, frankly, is the only thing that lets the car down. I think that is a little bit conservative and doesn't do the car any favours. It's extreme. Um, it's, it's clearly, having spoken to the principals at Chip Ganassi uh, and the guys who'll be running it here, it is clearly a well-thought-out programme as it heads into its debut season of the WEC. But it's not a debut for the team, really, because it's been made up of a heck of a lot of experience. There's a huge number of faces that are very familiar to all three of us mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in this room, and the room is beyond John. This has been a, a, a programme maybe new today. We've got the driver's name today, but this has been in preparation for years. And they are going to get it right, I'm sure, first time. It's a moment, a two-year programme is what we believe. So they're going to want to win. They're going to want to win this year in particular because, of course, this is the 50th anniversary of that famous win in 1966. Is that almost putting too much pressure on the guys, particularly at Le Mans, to, to recreate, as I said to Chip and to Mike earlier on, to recreate that enduring image of the three cars going across the line at Le Mans? I think they'll be happy with one, I'll be honest with you. They'll want to win that class. Uh, It's a big bang, not just under the engine compartment, Mm. as Sam says, but in terms of the impact they're going to be looking to make with this banner programme for Ford Performance Mm. worldwide. Uh, And that's what it is. It's a world programme for them. This is is a halo car. It's not a car that you or I will be wandering down to the local Ford dealer and expect to be able to put some money down on. Um, But it's a brave new world, not just for Ford, John, but for GTE. We've seen some great battles in GTE down through recent years. It should be said that it did start to look as if it was beginning to lose a bit of momentum. Mm -hmm. And maybe... Maybe, putting some of the cynicism aside in terms of the level of extreme we're seeing here, mm. maybe this is what it should be moving forward. Well, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the era of a world championship, uh, you know, when a shop window for these cars, to actually have something which visually puts the GTE cars on a par with those extraordinary LMP1s, if we can get to the stage where we've got two factories battling wheel-to-wheel this year, and maybe then beyond, 
turbo power's coming. There's no doubt about that. Um, Sam's absolutely right. Of course, we've got Ferrari, we've got Ford. I think by the time we get to 17, there'll be two other manufacturers, both with turbo engines as well. I tried to get Gerard Navarro to talk about the future, and he said today is Ford's day, which is absolutely correct. He also said that the World Endurance Championship is unthinkable, that was his words, unthinkable, without GT cars in it. And I'm very heartened by that. Doesn't that just do your heart good yes. to hear that? I mean, it really does, because that, that you know, it, it's not just traffic. It's races within races. And the traffic is, is a very happy result of that, which, you know, John, you and I know more than most is what gets you on your feet. Mm. And it keeps us on our feet for six hours time after time after time and then for 24 hours at Le Mans we need cars like this these are the kind of banner cars these are the cars that will bring new fans to motorsport a quick word about the uh, four individuals who have been unveiled today and introduced to the world's press today here at Great Worth Park interesting choices um, Andy Priel coming across from long time oh, over a decade 13 with, years, 13 years 13 with, years. with BMW yeah. Um, perhaps the one that has raised an eyebrow most, not because he's come here, because he's left, but more because he's left BMW. Thank goodness Marino Franchitti finally gets the full works drive that he deserves. And repeat the previous answer for Olivier Pla getting in a car. Uh, and then Stefan Mutter coming across from Aston Martin. Shrewd choices in your mind? Four hungry, hungry men, and that's what you want in this kind of programme. There are going to be no prisoners taken. If you look at, uh, let's, let's for a moment, if we focused on, simply focused on Ferrari, look at the four full season guys we're expecting to see there Davidi Rigon, James Collado, Jimmy Bruni, Tony Valanda. There's no, there's, there's no prisoners going to be taken there. You need guys that are going to be able to go head to head with every single one of them, lap after lap, hour after hour, race after race. And I think that's probably what we've got. There's a wonderful blend there of GT racing experience from Stefan and from Andy. You've got the massive hunger of Olivier Pla, who has been looking for that opportunity. Nissan, unfortunately, couldn't supply that for him. That's a hungry man uh, in terms of wanting success on the track. And I think one of the best battlers out there in any class. And Marino Franchitti, which has put a smile on everybody's face, I think, here. Coming back after that Sebring win for this, for this team with broadly speaking that engine and he will be hungry to show what he's got over a full season how do you see the operations working one team has been said a lot to me but inevitably surely there's going to be a little bit of niggle a little bit of competition as to who gets the first win and of course the IMSA guys get a bit of a leg up with two major events before we even get to Silverstone for the first round of the World Endurance Championship. You want to redefine excitement? I think that they want to redefine excitement, John. It's going to be qualifying at Le Mans in GTE for the first time in a long time. That is going to be a real principal focus of actually. Of course, we're always interested in who sets the pole, but this one will really matter. And it will matter not just between Ford and Ferrari, but between the Ford guys as well. And that's another part of that history of the 4GT40 racing thing, where, where the, those teams were very strong rivals. There was an mm. awful lot of machinations in the background. And I think we'll see an element of that, perhaps slightly more professionally managed this time. <laughs> but I think they will be let loose. And we're going to see one of those phrases that comes up time and time again, who's the daddy? Yeah, and, you know, also in GTE Pro this year, it's only the pro teams that get the new cars. So for the first time in a couple of seasons, we will see differences between performance in the GTE Pro and the GTE Am in the World 
championship, which adds a, an extra dimension? Uh, I think th- these guys are a different planet. I think mm. you're going to see the kind of lap times we should be seeing from these 2016 spec cars, I think will be a step forward. Uh, I think they're going to be nibbling uh, a little closer to the heels of the slower P2 cars. I think certainly at Le Mans, I mean, look at that car behind me at the moment. You can't help but smile to look at it. It's a weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no other word to use, but it's a weapon. Sam described the kind of... the. Um, the Ferrari's aerodynamics as well. He's right, we've not had terribly much of a close look at the 488, but I expect that's going to be pretty trick as well. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the whole of the WEC um, you know, in its entirety, plus the, the IMSA series, Daytona, coming up very, very quickly now. Yeah. But all of a sudden, it gives you another highlight for those great races. It's a weapon, says Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com. Then spray it matte black and hang it under the wing of an aeroplane. Uh, of course, you'll be able to hear how the Ford gets on against its championship contenders in both uh, GTLM, starting at the Rolex 24 Daytona, and in GTE at the World Endurance Championship as we keep you right up to date with all of the races throughout the season on www.radiolamont.com and through our sister service at IMSA Radio, where endurance racing lives. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com.